And welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. I am Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined once again by the one and only Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's December, finally. Yeah, it's actually, it's that time of the uh, season where things are going to start picking up really uh, pretty quickly. Uh, fast games all over the place. Lots of games, lots of uh, really meaningful games, even more meaningful games. You've got, you got MLS Cup Final, you've got, um, of course, the Champions League, uh, kind of the final match day coming up soon. And then, of course, you've got European fixtures, uh, either before the winter break or throughout through the winter break. But it's actually, it's, it's getting closer to that exciting time of the season, or the most exciting time of the season, uh, for me at least. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think that's, that's certainly the case. And this may hype uh, everybody's interest in European football, or at least in English football, when you get to Boxing Day and New Year's and, and that time of the year. So for those who haven't uh, had a chance to listen to the show before, it's the World Soccer Talk podcast. Uh, it's the only show that talks about watching soccer on TV, online, and on apps. And uh, we recently uh, rebooted with a new format. Um, and so far, the, uh, the feedback has been mostly positive. We've had a couple of people that have uh, kind of uh, complained that... Uh, they were missing kind of the soccer analysis, but um, there, there is plenty of other soccer analysis shows out there, and what we did before was a fantastic job too, but we just thought we wanted to uh, differentiate and, and focus on uh, what we love, which is uh, watching soccer. And uh, speaking of watching soccer, Kartik, let's talk about uh, what we've been watching this past uh, week uh, since the last episode. Uh, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I, I watched the Colorado-Seattle game on, ESPN, the second leg from Dick's Sporting Goods Park. ESPN did very well with it. Uh, good coverage from uh, from Taylor Twelman, as always. Katie Widom got to host the uh, the studio, and she I thought well the on-site studio, and I think she did very well. That's the first time for her, I believe, on ESPN that she's got to do that. So that was uh, that that was quite good. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm trying to think back to decision day if maybe she had. A massive role with that, but she used to do the Columbus Crew games, so that's a, a local broadcaster being brought to the national level, and she did quite well. Uh, ESPN in general does does well with these the coverage of uh, the MLS and everything they cover. What I would uh, love to hear from our listeners is how they would compare Fox's coverage to ESPN's of Major League Soccer, because it seems like the support for Fox is very partisan. Uh, if you're a big MLS guy. If you're uh, someone who's uh, in love with uh, the U.S. men's national team, if you might be one of those people who has a, a, a chip on your shoulder about European football, you really like the way Fox covers the game. If you're uh, someone who is anti-MLS and may have a chip on your shoulder about Major League Soccer and is uh, one of these promotion relegation people in the United States, you hate Fox. But what about uh, everybody else? How, how do you feel about Fox versus ESPN in terms of Major League Soccer? Love to hear from you. Yeah, speaking of uh, Fox, too, um, last night's game, the um, the game between Toronto and uh, Montreal. Yeah. So, so that one I missed. It was it's, it was my wedding anniversary, so I went out to dinner, so I missed that one. But uh, did you get a chance to watch the game on Fox, and what was your impressions? Well, I, I watched the game with uh, our friend Simon Evans at a uh, at a uh, restaurant, so we didn't listen to the uh, to the broadcast. Although I, I must admit, I was I threw out there before the game that I was disappointed the game wasn't on ESPN because uh, ESPN FC, the the show, uh, ESPN FC on air on ESPN News with Taylor Twelman, Brian McBride, Ali Moreno, Craig Burley were giving very, very good uh, build-up and detailed analysis of the game in, in the build-up in the hour before the game than I had assumed you'd get on Fox, mm -hmm. who were actually covering the game. So... Uh, I can't make a comment on how Fox did. I saw what was on my Twitter feed, which was snarky comments from the pro-rel crowd and anti-MLS crowd and very favorable comments from the from the pro-MLS crowd. That's, again, why I would love to hear from people who are maybe fans of European football who casually watch Major League Soccer or are uh, just people who love, like soccer and are not in these ideological camps or these uh, ideological fights, which are really uh, tearing apart U.S. soccer now, especially with what's going on at the second and third division level as well. So I'd love to hear from our listeners as to uh, how they evaluated Fox. 
yeah. on that coverage. Because, of course, Fox has the MLS Cup this year for the first time ever. It's always been on ABC or ESPN the first right. 20 years of the league. This is the first time it's going to be on another network. And quite frankly, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Uh, not, not so much on my side. I, I mean, I, th- I think Fox does. Uh, it, I think Fox gets MLS, and um, it's it's probably may not be the best coverage you may ever done, but I, I think they'll be okay. It's going to be on Fox over the air, um, and then I think they'll make a big splash. I think they'll they'll put every extra effort into trying to make that as as good as possible, and um, you know it's going to be a great atmosphere in the stadium. So I think that helps rather than say, the Toronto-Colorado game from 2010, where there was, you I mean, seemed to be hardly anyone there, and it was just really cold mm. that night. So, and there, um, was also, uh, there was also a walkout that night. I, oh, I was there yeah. at that MLS Cup, and the Toronto fans chose that occasion to protest high ticket prices, which was within their rights. Uh-huh. And they walked out, and that showed how few traveling fans there had been from other locales. Uh, to witness the game. It was uh, really very embarrassing for MLS, and I think that incident had a lot to do with them scrapping the neutral site MLS Cup concept, which they had uh, employed for 15 years uh, up to that point. Yeah, so so moving on to me, uh, from what I've been watching this past week, I, I've been kind of watching I mean, a ton of um, a ton of soccer. There's been so much on. Uh, this seems like so far away, but it was, it was only last week, but it was the, um, the Dortmund against uh, Legia Warsaw game. Um, previously, I think the previous match day or the match day before that, it was the great game between Legia Warsaw and, and um, Real Madrid in the, the closed door um, match, which was entertaining back and forth. And now this one was the Dortmund 8, Legia Warsaw 4 game, which was absolutely incredible to watch. I mean, just, I mean BVB were just, uh, just on fire, uh, but defensively very weak. But at the same time, though, too, I, I watched this one on uh, Multi-Match 90, which I think I've talked about before too. It's one of those shows, it's a whip around show that I absolutely love. And I think it's one of the, the best things that's coming out of Fox. And again, it's one of the things that they, they promote probably the least, um, probably wanting people to tune into FS1 or FS2 to watch the games rather than into uh, Fox Soccer Plus or Fox Soccer To Go to watch kind of the, the whip around show, which shows, shows you all the highlights and all the goals um, in real time or, or slightly delayed. Um, the only thing I didn't like about this one was that they, they've started doing a uh, Christian Pulisic um, alert that pops, <laughs> that pops up on the screen. So, so you, they have a goal alert so, or, or a red card, card, card alert. Anything that happens, all of a sudden, again, the alert pops up on the bottom left uh, of the screen so you know that something's happening uh, or you know there's been a goal in, in a match and then usually within a minute uh, they'll go ahead and, and move to that goal to show you it, or the incident. But I, I don't know. I just think the Christian Pulisic alert. Uh, yes, he's American. Yes, we want to see him uh, succeed. And, and he's, yes, he's a fantastic player. But to me, it's like, come on, Fox. I mean, just like tone it down a little bit. You I mean we don't have to do? You don't have to do that. It's just fake and obnoxious. Yeah, well, I, I agree with that on the Pulisic thing. Um, it is kind of fake and obnoxious, and Fox pushing again an American narrative. But Fox has done a great job with these. Multi-match 90s, the only drawback, and this isn't Fox's fault, not at all Fox's fault, it's the fault of UEFA. The the group stage of the Champions League is just not very compelling for me. And I talk to other people who watch European football closely, and they've come to the same conclusion. The games are boring. They're very predictable. Uh, It's got, unless you're a fan of... uh, of Real Madrid or Barcelona, and you love to see your team score five, six goals because you're not able to do that in La Liga anymore. So that league has become more competitive and very, very competitive this year, and I might get into that a little later in the show. It's uh, it's not really compelling viewing, and that's uh, that's unfortunate. UEFA has to revisit the way this tournament is structured, and it seems like they're going in the other direction by now guaranteeing four uh, teams in the group stage from uh, from Italy, England. Germany and Spain starting in two two Champions Leagues from now in the 18-19 season. I think that's a move in the wrong direction because the, the competition has become all too predictable. And but but perhaps that makes it less predictable, right? Perhaps maybe the fourth place team in Italy would give uh, Real Madrid more of a match than than a team from Eastern Europe. Uh, I don't know what the balance is, but Champions League just does not compel me, and it's it's not uh, an individual feeling. I've talked to a number of people who feel the same way. Now, if, if you, the listener, feels the same way as Kartik, uh, I would say that actually multi-match 90 makes it more exciting. Because it, 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 previously, I think, I think this Champions League, since, what, September, since the group stage, I think 
almost every single um, kind of Tuesday or Wednesday match day, I've watched Monthly Match 90. Uh, and to me, that's more entertaining because you get to see all the action happening at, at different times. Yes, it can be predictable, um, sometimes not. But it, to me, at least from a personal uh, viewer, it's better than watching, say, I don't know, uh, say Barcelona against Celtic, where you kind of watch a match hoping that Celtic causes a, an upset, but pretty much everyone knows, that, okay, Barcelona's going to win this match, and, and pretty convincingly, uh, even based on the scoreline. But multi-match 90, I think that's another great thing to say, say about that. Actually, it does make the group stage more exciting, which, which, which says a lot. <laughs> so, Kartik, what, what else have you been watching? Well, Swansea Crystal Palace, which I think everybody has watched and, and now um, have made comparisons to the MLS game, the Montreal-Toronto game, with uh, its high scoring and, and poor defending. That was, a, that was an interesting match. I know you're, you're going to get a little more into that as a Swansea fan in, in a minute. Uh, Chelsea Spurs was interesting. Uh, Arlo White is very, becoming very natural. Uh, calling these London derbies, Graham Lasso was with him for this uh, occasion. And it, it seems like... NBC, there's a lot of stuff they get right, but that uh, 5.30 p.m. British Standard Time, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff when it involves two London teams seems to be really their bread and butter. And maybe it's, uh, it's familiarity, maybe it's, it's context, uh, but they, they seem to do even better with those matches than with, let's say, the Manchester United-Liverpool match. Right, right. And, and this season has been a bit... Uh unfair to a lot of Manchester United fans because, uh, I mean, the Manchester United-Liverpool match was on a Monday, which um, which had a pretty big viewing audience, but it still doesn't have the same kind of uh, feeling or atmosphere or kind of build-up that, that, say, a Saturday or a Sunday match does um, because it's, you know, for us, most of us, it's uh, during office hours. Um, most of us get to watch it anyway, but, but you know what I mean. And, and also Manchester United has had, had a lot of uh, early morning kickoff matches, kind of the 7.30 on a Saturday Eastern time or, or Sunday morning kind of early kickoffs. So there haven't been a lot of United's games at that 12.30 Eastern time on a Saturday. Uh, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe the way that Manchester United has play, been playing recently in terms of kind of the topsy-turvy uh, results. But um, I think that's one of the reasons, too, in terms of Premier League TV ratings is that we haven't seen some big numbers is a lot of those games like Man United against Arsenal is 7.30 in the morning, I mean 4.30 in the morning Pacific uh, time. Uh, it's, it's a tough ask for uh, even even the most diehard uh, Man United or casual uh, soccer fans. Well, I, I guess December is the month that will really tell the story because again, we have a backlog of big head-to-head -head matches coming up in this month. Uh, including uh, uh, Chelsea, Manchester City this week, and, and a number of other matches of that magnitude. And it's December. It's the Premier League's month. This is the showcase month for English football. Uh, there are a lot of people who have told me, well, this season hasn't been as good as prior Premier League seasons. I tend to agree with that, but my comeback to that is also we don't really think about the Premier League in, con in the context of previous seasons until you get to Boxing Day. Mm -hmm. Right, that's true. Um, some, some of the other matches, real quickly, that, that I watched, uh, Liverpool against Sunderland, which was last weekend, um, not the most exciting, exciting of the matches, but it's, for me, it's always interesting to watch in Liverpool this season so far, is because of the, the new t uh, camera angles from the, uh, the TV gantry, which, because they, they uh, built the brand new stadium uh, along the sidelines at Anfield, and it has a completely different angle, so when you're watching a match um, from Liverpool, from Anfield, it looks completely different because you're looking like, like you're looking kind of uh, top down, a little bit kind of uh, a little bit over the field as opposed to where it was before. So that's that's always it's going to take a while to get used to for me at least on that one. Uh, Swansea against Crystal Palace, as, as most of the listeners may know, I'm, I'm a Swansea City supporter. I have been since I was nine, I think. So it's been a, a long, long journey through up, ups and downs um, from back in Division Two, I believe it was. But this this match for me was so painful to watch. Uh, it, obviously, it was it was a big one for Swansea and, and Palace in terms of it was kind of a, in many ways, a must win match for for either team just because uh, you mean both of them are kind of in a free fall. One of them needed a win. Both of them needed a win, and to watch this match for me it was just highs and lows. It was an emotional roller coaster. The pain towards the end when Chris Palace started coming back and. and came back from 3-1 down to go 4-3 ahead. 
at one point, I, I just couldn't watch any longer. It was so painful. I, I was like, this is just so depressing to have the victory in our, in, in our grasps and then to see Palace come back. And then last but not least, then Swansea come back and get the equaliser. And then Loriente towards the end got that, got that winner. Oh, God, I, I was almost in tears, kind of tears of joy, uh, a little bit of tears of joy, but also kind of just tears of just uh, emotions back and forth. And uh, just goes to show that um, it, it's, it's really, I mean, it's just an incredible sport. Of course, we all love it, but it can uh, really play with your emotions. Uh, the, the other thing, too, about this game, too, it, it was NBC Sports uh, either uh, good luck or a uh, good decision, but they moved this one at the last minute on Friday. They announced that um, the Leicester City-Middlesbrough game, which was originally supposed to be on CNBC, they decided to switch it, and they decided to put Swansea against Palace on CNBC instead, and then moved uh, Leicester-Middlesbrough to Premier League extra time. And in hindsight, what a fantastic decision that was, because uh, it was defensively, it was a nightmare from both sides, but it was a very, very entertaining game to watch, especially for, for the neutrals. For Swansea fans, it was, it was tough going, but what a, what a game. The, the other thing, Kartika, about that game too, actually last week's episode, you talked about um, back 2006, 2007, some of these, these games with uh, Bolton Wanderers and how exciting it was and Blackburn and these other teams. And it was kind of, kind of uh, just incredible games to watch, really exciting stuff almost every weekend. That one to me actually kind of felt like that. It felt like one of those just wild, crazy games. Um, and maybe maybe that's maybe that's why in recent years it hasn't been as exciting is because um, defensively teams are getting better and this one was wide open. Uh, who knows? But it, it was a great one to watch. And then last but not least, Kartik, uh Liverpool against Leeds United. I was watching the um, I was watching all, all the EFL Cup games this week, quarterfinals, and uh, Liverpool against Leeds United. One for me was a, a great one to watch. Uh, not only was it a great game, but also I thought that Leeds United, the supporters, uh, were a lot louder than Liverpool fans. And it created a really, really good atmosphere at Anfield, and kind of a lot of uh, back and forth. Uh, even at one point in the first half, um, I think the Leeds United fans uh, singing, uh, stand up if you hate Man U. And all of Anfield rose up, Liverpool fans and Leeds United fans, to kind of celebrate their, their uh, kind of... Uh, aggression or a kind of animosity towards uh, Manchester United. but uh... yeah, the, the, These two teams had played in the League Cup in 2009 or 2010, and something similar happened. I think that was at Ellen Road. But yep. there is a – there's always been – even though these were the really the two elite teams in English football in the 1970s, there were, uh, there were brief moments for Arsenal and for Manchester City – and uh, Chelsea in that, and, and Derby County. Let me not forget Derby, and then at the end of the decade, Nottingham Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that decade, where those those clubs popped up, Spurs also. Uh, uh, many of the familiar teams now today, as I said, Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Spurs all had runs in the 1970s. But the two elite clubs were Leeds and Liverpool. But they never developed the kind of animosity that each uh, set of fan supporters developed with Manchester United. Because uh, even though they were fighting for honors and they were rivals, essentially they both had the same biggest rival. And that's been it's been an odd thing to watch through the years now leads out of the top flight for uh, about a decade or over a decade now uh, that there has always been this kind of tacit alliance between Leeds and Liverpool supporters. And for those of you who are newer football fans, you got a taste of what it would be like if Leeds gets back to the top flight. Uh, Incredible support. One of the largest cities in England now has not had a top-flight team in, in over a decade. Uh, it's a loss for English football. I've said this over and over again for years. Not having Leeds United in a top-flight is, uh, is, is a big, big blow for English football. It hasn't decreased English football's marketability around the globe, but I just think Leeds enhances that. And uh, they're having a pretty good season under Gary Monk. and They, they uh, are, have an outside shot at being promoted this season. Yeah, yeah, I think right now they're in fifth. Um, they they still have like globally one of the I think top ten, well, maybe not ten, top ten in longer, but one of the largest um, global fan bases. I think a few years ago we had a story on WorldSoccerTalk dot com that had uh, talked about um, the most trafficked page uh, websites, uh, soccer websites in the UK, and I think Leeds was four or five, uh, and this is when they were in you know, championship or 
Yeah, so, so it just, just goes to show how many people still still follow. Them. It's also it's also a very very large city, by the way. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know England very well, there are really only four massive cities in in England itself, not including Scotland, and those are London, Manchester, uh, London, Manchester, Birmingham, and Leeds. Leeds is really the fourth city. And they have not had a top-flight football club in over 10 years, and it's a one-club town to begin with. So yeah. that club is always going to have a massive following, one of the most massive followings in the country. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see him back in the Premier League too. So uh, let's, see, let's see what happens with Gary Monk. So let's move on now, uh, Kartik, to our next segment, which is TV streaming news, and uh, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so what we've seen is One World Sports – kind of go dark in terms of their tweeting. Uh, and it's, a, it's an account that regularly tweets, retweets a lot of things I do. So there was a lot of suspicion as to what was going on with One World Sports. And then Awful Announcing came, up with, uh, uh, came out with a story on Tuesday that One World Sports had furloughed many of their employees and the future of the network is uncertain. One World Sports broadcasts uh, a number of uh, soccer entities, uh, Chelsea TV, Arsenal TV. They've got a couple of other club TV uh, broadcasts. They've also got, obviously, the NASL. They're one of the rights holders for the NASL. They broadcast all the New York Cosmos games. They've got some Asian football rights. So it would be a fairly big blow to football fans. And then they probably show more cricket mm -hmm. uh, than any other channel that's accessible in the United States. So let's hope uh, these are just uh, temporary layoffs and temporary furloughs and one World Sports is back up and running at, at optimum levels in the near future. But based on the, the reported awful announcing, it doesn't sound terribly promising. Yeah, plus, plus there's some, uh, some great talent over there, too. You've got uh, JP De La Camera, who does a lot of work with them, uh, Shep Messing, um, Janusz Mihalik. So there's definitely a lot of, um, I think, soccer talent that that's many of our listeners, you guys, as well as us, uh, know and love and appreciate. And um, so hopefully things will turn around and hopefully they'll still keep on going because it's, it's definitely, uh, we'd hate to see um, a soccer, a soccer, well, it's not soccer specific, but definitely a soccer uh, friendly uh, network, network go away. So uh, Kartik, uh, the big news, we've been, we've been talking about this uh, for a few weeks now in terms of uh, it coming soon and it has officially announced and it has officially launched and that's uh, DirecTV Now, which is a streaming service uh, from DirecTV. It's a standalone service. You don't need a, to be a subscriber to DirecTV, the satellite company, or AT&T. Uh, you can just, uh, if you wanted to, you could cut the cord and subscribe to DirecTV now. Um, so some of the details about it for soccer fans. Um, it launched on November 30th. Uh, if you go to directtvnow.com, you can check it out. Uh, you can watch up to two streams uh, simultaneously. So if uh, you or your friend or loved one, um, you guys can both be watching um, different programming from DirecTV now at the same time, as long as that's two streams. Uh, pricing and soccer-specific information. So their base package is $35 a month, and that includes FS1, ESPN, ESPN2, Univision, and CNBC. Uh, it also includes uh, in select local markets, ABC, Fox, and NBC. So for most soccer fans, that could give you a nice um, kind of mix of different soccer channels. Obviously, the big one that's missing there is NBCSN. Now, for the $50, month, uh, $50, um, $50 a month package, uh, that includes all those channels I just mentioned, as well as NBCSN. So 50 bucks a month, which is quite a bit of money. Then they have a package that's $60 a month, and that includes all of the channels I mentioned up, up to this point, plus FS2. And you know, if you're a you know, hardcore soccer fan and you like watching you know, Champions League, Bundesliga, Europa League, etc., there's a lot of games that are on FS2. Not all of them are on FS1, obviously. Then they have a $70 um, a month package, and that includes all the channels we've, we've mentioned previously, uh, plus Univision Deportes. And again, if you're a soccer fan, you like watching uh, Liga MX or the Mexican national team, or you know, the Univision Deportes has uh, um, the Dutch league from now to time to time, as well as the Portuguese league, etc. cetera. Uh, that's $70 a month, which is quite a lot of money. So, so on the pros, uh, you get 100 plus channels for $35 a month, uh, which, is, which is great. Um, 
But for soccer fans, not so great in terms of um, the pricing. If you really want those channels that you really want to watch, like NBCSN, FS2, etc., uh, they do offer a, a seven-day free trial. Uh, hopefully, the launch of DirecTV now will uh, cause some kind of uh, pricing wars uh, within the uh, industry, and maybe we'll see some uh, different pricing from from Sling or PlayStation View or DirecTV now as they compete. Uh, on the cons, it's really about pricing to me, and that's the most disappointing thing. Really, is that um, it's more expensive than Fubo. Fubo's ten dollars a month. Uh, Sling Blue is twenty five dollars a month, and PlayStation View is uh, thirty dollars a month. Um, the other thing too, it's uh, there's no CBS, and uh, that means there's no CBS Sports Network, which means there's no NA NASL too. So overall, we've been building it up, talking a lot about it. Um, but my kind of initial impressions, I haven't, I haven't done the trial yet, so I will do probably in the next few days. But I mean, overall uh, indications are kind of disappointing. What about you? Conte? Yeah, yeah, they were. Um negotiating with CBS up until just about the last minute for this November 30th launch. And it was uh, an expectation, I think, that they would launch with CBS. And launching without CBS has created more headlines than maybe the actual launch of DirecTV now. So uh, AT&T uh, disappointed by that. But this is, I think, a work in progress. This is a, an acknowledgement that there are cord cutters that are canceling their DirecTV service, that are canceling their AT&T U-verse service. So AT&T is trying to placate those customers because AT&T likes to bundle things, your phone, your internet, and your television, whether you're a U-verse subscriber or a DirecTV subscriber. They're both AT&T companies. And I think that this is a way of trying to bundle something in some ways or give some value to existing AT&T customers. It'll be interesting to see how we, we've seen the packages that they've rolled out individually, but how they use it in a potential bundle going forward, which could give it an advantage over the slings of the world and, and, and those other uh, streaming services. Yeah, it, it feels like a, a cable package, though. It's like, you I mean, like the top level is $100 a month. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you need internet access above and beyond that to enable to stream this stuff. And, and presumably you'd be using AT&T for that. That's why I think that's right. why I'm talking about this, this potential bundle yeah. that they uh, – that that they that is a big AT and T thing to push that, mm -hmm. and they might be they might in fact be pushing that. We'll give you internet access, and then by the way, uh, you're a cord cutter and you just want internet access. Here's a package, seventy dollar package for Directv now. Exactly. So, any other news, Kotick, out of the streaming world? Uh, th this week, uh, we saw Sling TV uh, is joining Comcast's X1 uh, cable platform, and um, so Xfinity, which I believe you're an Xfinity subscriber. Uh, That's right. Chris. That's right. Um, they're going to add Sling TV as an app on their X1 service. So obviously, you'll have to have a Sling TV subscription to use it. But it's now much easier for you, for example, to go on and and uh, hook up your Sling to your to your Xfinity service and to your television service. Yeah, this this one's a weird one because it's one of those things that uh, if you're a cord cutter, you probably you mean if you have Comcast or whichever TV pro provider you have if it's a cable you're probably going to say okay all right let me cut the cord with my cable company and, and let me get sling or let me get uh, you mean playstation view whatever it may be um this one to me feels like it's kind of um, basically kind of comcast saying okay let's add sling as uh, uh to our x1 service as an option as an app and then if uh, a customer retention department gets a phone call from uh you mean joe smith and he wants to go ahead and cancel his uh cable subscription to to Comcast, um, and the person says, uh, Joe says, like, hey, I'm, I'm actually thinking about going to Sling. Well, they can say, okay, well, wait, 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 wait. We, we offer Sling too. You can keep your X1 with Comcast and get your Sling and get the best of both worlds and get all the, everything you can possibly want. Um, that's what it feels like to me. And then from Sling's perspective, the benefit of that is they'll get some additional uh, customers that they may have not gotten before. Uh, but it's really, to me, it's more kind of a, a retention tool for, for Comcast to try to, to make sure they don't lose uh, more subscribers and gives them another option or another out um, and can package together and give them some type of deal or some type of price just to keep them as a customer. Speaking of Sling, uh, Sling TV this week announced that they're adding uh, uh, basically a DVR cloud functionality. So that's the one thing that's been missing uh, thus far. Uh, it's going to roll out in the next uh, few few weeks, I believe it is, um, as a public beta for Roku 
on, on the Roku for uh, Sling TV customers. And you'll have kind of all your cloud DVR functionality so you can record uh, games or uh, programs, etc., and then watch them later. Uh, the two caveats with that, one is that um, there's going to be no limit. So, so PlayStation View has a 28-day uh, limit. You, you mean basically you can only uh, record or have content recorded, and after 28 days, it, it's, it's gone. Uh, with Sling, it's going to be uh, basically forever. Uh, if you if you want to keep some of that stuff, uh, definitely a lot longer than 28 days. And then um, the other thing too is that um, actually I forgot what I was going to say, but anyway, it, so it's coming it's coming out soon. And then they they will after the Roku uh, public beta, they're looking to launch that then in 2017, kind of early uh, 2017 for some of the other devices. But uh, yeah, that'll be great. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll be coming out soon because it's definitely something that's uh, uh, definitely well well needed. Yeah, uh, Fubo TV has a DVR function that uh, works on some of some devices. I know it works on iOS devices. I'm trying to recall if it works on on laptop computers yeah. and on desktop computers. Yeah. I, I, there's there's some devices it doesn't work on, and there's some devices it does. So, uh, but that's that's been useful for me uh, as far as uh, taping games and going back and watching them later. And you can you can have as many as three uh, events on your DVR at once uh, on Fubo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's the that's the type of functionality we need, and uh, we'll be talking about that in our featured topic of the week later in this episode. We're going to be talking about kind of what streaming uh, platform, what streaming setup would be ideal uh, for soccer fans. Uh, there's so, so many different options there. So let's move on to the next segment, and that's uh, talking about TV ratings. And uh, I'll go first, Kartik, and that's um, Sunday's airing of the second leg of uh, Super Classico on Univision between uh, Chivas and Club America uh, was uh, simulcasted on uh, Univision Deportes, but also shown on uh, Univision. And that had an average viewing audience of 3 million. Wow, that's a huge number. 3 million people watched that match. And that was the second leg um, that was on that, that on Sunday, and that's the one that Club America won. The, the match that the, uh, uh, was a few days before that, that was the, the first leg, that was on the Thursday, and uh, that one again was on Univision and also on Univision Deportes, and that had an average audience of 2.9 million. So huge numbers uh, for the Liga MX uh, quarterfinals of the Apertura. Yeah, we talked a little bit about uh, the London Derby earlier and uh, Chelsea Spurs, that was on over the air NBC. Uh, your NBC affiliates in, in, in various markets, and it averaged uh, 959,000 viewers, uh, not quite a million, uh, second-highest viewership this season, and a nice bounce back for NBC because we've been talking about how Premier League late ratings and soccer interest in general seems to have declined this year in the United States, but this was a nice little bounce back Saturday for NBC. And then uh, almost two weeks ago, uh, we had the Dortmund against Bayern Munich game, which was on uh, Fox over the air, the broadcasting network. And that had uh, 426,000 viewers. Um, and the next day, which is on the, the uh, Sunday, it had uh, Hoffenheim against uh, Hamburg. It was a 2-2 draw. And that one delivered, actually for Fox, for FS1, uh, the most watched Bundesliga match ever on that channel. And that was 102,000 viewers. Um, not a huge number in the scheme of things, but for FS1, uh, they finally broke the 100,000 uh, number for a Bundesliga game. So that's promising. I think at that time, if I remember correctly, I don't think there was a, a Premier League match on at the same time. Cor correct, correct. There wasn't a Premier League match that day until the... Uh, it would have overlapped maybe by about a half an hour, but there wasn't yeah. a Premier League kickoff until five o'clock, uh, 4 o'clock BST, 11 a.m., Eastern time. Uh, but that was an interesting number because Hamburg has been a terrible team mm -hmm. these last few seasons. Uh, they've been asking to get relegated. I think they're going to go down this season. Hoffenheim, however, started the season very, very nicely. And perhaps there was some uh, interest in watching Hoffenheim, who uh, would normally be getting all kinds of headlines for their start. But of course, RB Leipzig is what everybody's talking about, not just in Germany, but throughout uh, world football as far as the Bundesliga. But Hoffenheim has started the season well, and maybe uh, that affected that rating. So would you say that Hamburg's been asking to be relegated? Do you, do you mean that, or, or do you mean that it's better? Yeah, that way they the way they've been uh, uh, cycling through managers, the way they've been cycling through players. It's, this is a massive club that has 
fortunately escaped relegation, just escaped the last few seasons. And this season, uh, they're, they're, if you're a Premier League fan, they're a lot like Sunderland. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Moving on to the next segment, that's uh, this is the mailbag. Uh, we've got a couple of questions that have come in. Uh, Kartik, I'll, I'll ask you this first one. Uh, this is from a uh, listener by the name of Chuck Booth, uh, who sent this question in via Twitter. And he says, uh, how do you think live streaming things like uh, CONCACAF, Champions League, and USL matches on YouTube and Facebook Live has helped with viewership, along with spreading knowledge of the league slash competition? Well, I think it certainly helped. And unfortunately, what we experienced with the USL final was they went to a mainstream platform, which was ESPN, U or ESPN2, one of those ESPN channels for the final. And there had been such an expectation among people who had watched USL during the course of the season and it had been so accessible via YouTube and they had actually, I think, even uh, brought in some new fans uh, that were not USL fans before because of the accessibility of the product on YouTube versus NASL, which is on all kinds of different less accessible cable channels as well as ESPN3 and then MLS where you have to pay for a streaming package that um, suddenly there were people who had watched the the entire regular season and many the playoff games who then could not watch the final. So uh, there is a drawback to making your product so accessible that when, if you go from that to a mainstream television platform, you, you inevitably disenfranchise some of the people who came to you because you were so accessible and appealing for that reason. Yeah, I think with uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, I think um, with that one on Facebook Live, I think the, the fact of the matter is that most people don't even realize it's on Facebook Live. So yes, Facebook Live will give you uh, an audience that um, you probably wouldn't get on, I don't know, some other platform uh, outside of Facebook. But if no one knows about it, I mean, very few people are going to know to tune into it. Um, CONCACAF uh, Champions League is not available on English language television. So it's only on uh, Spanish language television through Univision Deporters. Uh, Fox used to have those, uh, that, um, that's those TV rights. The, the viewing numbers were really, really low um, in the tens of thousands. So I think Fox probably thought, okay, well, is it really worth us renewing this deal, depending on what, what uh, CONCACAF was asking for. But, um, but that's, that's my kind of thing about Facebook Live. Yes, in, it's, in theory, it's a great idea to basically kind of use that to, to get, get those games out there. But if you don't know those games are even on there, it kind of defeats the purpose. So, Kartik, let me ask you the next question to you. This one's... Uh, up your alley, and this is uh, from a, a listener by the name of Ian Jett uh, on Twitter, Ian underscore Jett, and he says, uh, you talked about it a little bit in, last, in the last episode. What are some of the things uh, you guys like about ESPN FC? Well, I love Craig Burley. Uh, he's honest, he's open, uh, you may not agree with all his opinions, but he will give you an opinion, right? And, and, I, and I sense that he's uh, there are a lot of company men and yes men that are former players that end up analyzing this sport. And Craig Burley is certainly not one of those. He's the opposite of that. And I, and I enjoy listening to him even when I disagree with him. So Craig Burley is one. Uh, Dan Thomas, I think, is an impeccably good presenter, challenges the, uh, stu- the, the studio team. And obviously he has a rapport with them, which allows him to challenge them in a way that uh, he gets kind of the best and most provocative answers out of them. Uh, I'm a big Shaka Hislop fan. I think his analysis is pretty much spot on uh, on most things. I find myself agreeing with him probably about 90% of the time in what he has to say about various topics. And then, yeah, you've got Brian McBride and Taylor Twelman and Stevie Nickel and Paul Mariner. Those guys they rotate through all have uh, very, very useful things to say about the sport and about what's going on in the sport. And then you bring in the expertise of a Gab Marcotti, a Raphael Honingstein, a Sid Lowe, uh, a... uh, uh, Julian Lorenz, uh, Frank LaBeouf, they, I, I just think that they have got the, at least especially when you're talking about European football, uh, Major League Soccer, and uh, Mexican football, they've got really all of the analysis covered in a way that no other program that you can get on American television does. And this is not an advertisement for ESPN FC, by the way, <laughs> but I, I, the, for me, I've become reliant on the program to the point of the program disappeared. Uh, there would be significant gaps in my football knowledge or at least my uh, understanding of contemporary football events and would have to seek other alternatives to get that information because they, they just do a fantastic job. Yeah, we have to remember, too, that uh, before ESPN FC, there was Press Pass, 
and that was kind of sporadic. So it was on for a while on US t TV, but then it went away. But it was it was still on in Europe, um, and it was kind of kind of haphazard in terms of scheduling. We would kind of see it now and again, but not all the time. But at least with the SPNFC, I mean, it's a regular show that's on nightly that um, people can d depend on and uh, and rely on for soccer coverage. I, I'm a big fan of Dan Thomas. I think he's uh, uh, actually, I think you don't hear much about Dan Thomas, but I think he does a stellar job. You mean in in that role as as a presenter, uh, and he could be kind of uh, uh, funny at times, which which is always helps and entertaining. The the other thing I think I like about it too is just the um, the atmosphere on the set. So, for example, Brian McBride, uh, and this this happened like what over a year ago, maybe a couple of years ago, when Brian McBride was on the Fox sets for Champions League or Europa League or whatever it may be. It, he looked like he was, uh, you mean, a deer caught, caught in headlights. He was just like frozen. He just, just the, the chemistry wasn't there at all. He tried to contribute and was really, really poor. And then, I think shortly after he left there, then you'd find him on the couch at ESPN FC, kind of talking about whatever it may be. But he was more relaxed, uh, a lot more um, intelligent, a lot more conversational. It was, it was, it was like it was a completely different Brian McBride, and. Um, I think that the contrast work is a good example, and I think the SPNFC kind of the kind of the relaxing chemistry that 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 is so much more watchable than kind of the stiff kind of uh, scripted uh, big talking heads on a on a studio set for for Fox. So that, that's just my my, my uh, two cents on ESPNFC. Any uh, I think you got one more question that came in. Yeah, so Sherman Gardner asks, what is your opinion of BN Sports' coverage of La Liga overall? Contrary to popular belief in the United States, in my opinion, La Liga is the best league in the world in terms of quality on the field, uh, but media coverage overall is rather restricted to BN. Do you think they do a good job, and what do you think is needed in order uh, to match or even surpass that of NBC's Premier League coverage? I'll take this first. Uh, yes, I do believe it's the best league in the world. It, however, is not necessarily the most entertaining or accessible league in the world. Entertainment tends to trump quality in, in terms of what drives fans to watch things. And the Premier League is the most entertaining league in the world. It's probably the most entertaining football product on the planet. It's reality more entertaining than even these summer tournaments, the Euros and the World Cup, everything. Um, I think a big problem would be in sports, and we need to ex elaborate on this more, is their unwillingness to share highlights of their um, of of their properties in a timely fashion with other networks, and they like to keep all the highlights for their bumper programming, which is quite good. Things like the Express and the Locker Room, etc. But I think uh, not see, being able to see La Liga highlights instantly on ESPN FC, not being able to see them on whatever soccer programs Fox or or uh, NBC are, are bringing uh, limits kind of the exposure for the league and, and has been, uh, I, I think, somewhat damaging to growing La Liga's brand beyond Barcelona and Real Madrid or beyond the, the teams that are in Champions League that are on Fox uh, anyway. And that has hurt and stunted the growth of the league in the country. I, I do think it's still kind of a niche league and would be behind the Premier League in terms of overall footprint in the, in the United States, regardless of what BN Sports was doing with bumper with uh, with highlights and matches. But I think that that certainly hurts them. Yeah, and I think uh, so. I agree with you on some of those things. Some of the things, not so much. But like, like for example, from, from BN Sports' uh, point of view, so that I mean, I, I think uh, the listener says that uh, Sherman says that that they're kind of r rather restricted. It depends what you compare that to. So BN Sports is in roughly 23 million homes in the U.S. Uh, BN Sports Espanol is in about uh, 18 million homes. So it's definitely out there on your cable or satellite uh, subscriptions. Uh, online, it's if anything, it's more accessible than, than any other network. I mean, you can get BN Sports on so many of these different streaming um, platforms. It's more accessible than, say, you know, ESPN3 or... Uh, or NBC Sports uh, as, uh, as examples. Uh, I think from a coverage point of view, I think they do um, a great job. I mean, it's definitely come a long way. So the studio sets are much better than what they used to be. The analysis is, is much better. Uh, it's definitely not at, at an NBC Sports level um, by, by any means, but it's getting better and it's improving 
week on week. I think one of the challenges that uh, BN Sports has is that, um, in comparison to NBC, is that BN Sports has so many different uh, TV rights and so many different games that there isn't a lot of time to kind of go from kind of say I don't know an hour pre-match into a game and then halftime kind of go a deep, a deep dive into that match and then take another, another half an hour after the match. Um, they have so many TV rights that it's kind of moving quickly from one game, kind of a quick highlights package, and then on to, on to the next. And that's something that NBC Sports, with having the Premier League and not having any, any other leagues, uh, they're able to kind of dedicate a lot more time and uh, preparation, uh, research, etc., into covering the, uh, the Premier League that, that uh, BN Sports can't do with La Liga, because they've got, I mean, Liga and Serie A, you mean this, and now lately, I mean, college uh, football, uh, motor, motor racing, and a whole bunch of other American sports too. So, um, so, I, so I would defend being sports and say that the quality is improving. Uh, I think the big thing that's missing, I, I agree with you, Kartik, about in terms of um, the TV rights, in, in terms of the, the highlights not being made available to the other net networks, that kind of stunts the growth of La Liga. Um, they do make it available on Sports Center, which is, so I don't know if they just have a deal just with Sports Center that says, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, but that's even uh, applies to the EFL highlights from yesterday. We talked about that earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. You could not see those on ESPN FC or on the uh, Fox uh, soccer programs, uh, the Fox programs on FS, soccer programs on FS1 or FS2. But you would have to watch Sports Center. And for a lot of soccer fans, they're not going to endure through watching highlights of uh, college football and uh, 20 minutes of ad nauseum discussion about the NFL or Major League Baseball to get to those highlights. Right. So it's, it still doesn't serve our purposes in reality. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. I, I think the one big thing that's missing from um, BN Sports' coverage of La Liga is that for those big games, and, and this weekend's a great example of that, El Clasico, imagine if El Clasico was on, I don't know, ABC or, or Fox or NBC or one of the over-the-air networks um, on being sports for this weekend, kind of educated guests in terms of how many viewers they'll get. They'll probably get close to 2 million viewers on being sports um, and being sports Espanol combined, which by itself is a fantastic number. But imagine if that game was on over-the-air um, TV in, in the United States, how much, how much bigger that would be. I mean, that could be double, double that at least. Um, and that's the thing that's kind of, to me at least, holding being sports back a little bit is that NBC has that with the NBC broadcasting network over the over the air. Fox has that. ESPN, if they wanted to, if they really wanted to, they could go through ABC and, and do it that way too. Um, they don't, but there's, there is that option, except maybe World Cups uh, as one example. Uh, that's the one thing that's missing. But overall, though, with being sports, if you look at their numbers, and this is something that hasn't really been reported that much, the numbers for La Liga this season are way, way up. I mean, they're getting some big, big numbers uh, on their networks, uh, much bigger than last year, and those seem to be continuing to grow. And it's not just Real Madrid, and it's not just Barcelona, but uh, Atleti is getting big numbers too. Uh, often numbers are uh, beating or approaching MLS games. So, um, so all in all, to me at least, being sports is doing a great job with what they have, um, but they do like to keep it inside their, their house. They don't like to share uh, with the outside networks to kind of try to keep everything compartmentalized within BN Sports and then hope, hope that people flock to BN Sports to, to watch that network. So uh, for the listeners who have questions too, or comments or feedback, if you guys uh, agree or disagree with us, uh, or you have questions about uh, watching your favorite league or uh, on TV or streaming or your apps, etc., you can send us uh, questions, which we'll read out on air, to web at worldsoccertalk.com, uh, through Twitter at WSoccerTalk, and then also through Facebook at facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. And we'd love to get your questions and or feedback. So, Kartik, let's move on to our final segment of this week, and that's our featured topic. And this one, um, let me have you start off by talking about this one. But basically the question is, what would a perfect streaming platform look like for soccer fans? Ooh something that uh, gives you gives you uh, fox uh, access to foxes uh, uh, fox soccer to fox soccer to go uh, nbc sports live extra espn 3 the uh, bn sport connect 
one world sports Univision Deportes. It's almost like you need all of those channels if you want to cover, if you want to watch soccer. I think uh, it depends. If you're a fan of the Bundesliga and that's your thing, maybe you just need Fox Sports or Fox Soccer to go and and, and, uh, Fox Sports go. If you're a fan of a Premier League club, you're going to need a, you're going to need a bunch of services because of the FA Cup and the League Cup and the uh, Champions League. Let's say you're a Man City or Arsenal or, or Spurs fan, right? And your team's in Champions League, so you're going to need um, you're going to need all of those uh, those services. If you're a fan of Major League Soccer, you just need Univision Deportes. So, uh, but if you're a fan of the sport and watch everything like we do. Uh, there is no real package that covers it. Fubo comes close for me, but in addition to Fubo, I still need to have uh, access to NBC. I still need to have access to ESPN3. I still need to have access to Fox. And, and yet uh, Fubo covers a lot of, of what I need. So I, I think uh, it's difficult to, uh, to envision this. Now, DirecTV now that we've, we've talked about a lot on this program these last few weeks, you can tailor make a package that gets you all of the soccer service, all of the services with soccer on it. However, it's going to really set you back a lot of money, unfortunately. And, and mm-hmm. what do we say? I think seventy dollars. You need to, a seventy dollar a month package just to get Univision Deportes, which is an essential uh, channel. Yeah, if you're watching Liga, Liga MX, a uh, hundred. Sorry, yeah. if you're going to watch Liga MX and watch Major League Soccer on that. So, yeah. um, there is no perfect package right now, and unfortunately. Um, I think we have to make we have to entice the the folks who who provide this these services to make it more cost effective and uh, accessible for us. Yeah, the uh, the Direct TV now so a hundred dollars a month uh, for everything you would want, but then on top of that you have to get Fox Soccer to go um, or Fox Soccer Plus separately. Fox, actually, Fox Soccer Plus isn't available, so uh, an extra twenty dollars for Fox Soccer to go. So now you're talking one hundred twenty dollars a month. Plus your internet, uh, you mean fifty bucks a month, whatever it may be for internet service, it's expensive. It's back to where we are today with, with our kind of expensive uh, satellite or TV uh, operations. Um, but th- yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, because it, it's ideally you have a, a streaming service that has all of those that you mentioned, kind of that we've talked about there, where you can watch uh, all your favorite games or or kind of just on a spur of a moment say, hey, I want to watch. Uh, Ligon today or Serie A today, and you can just kind of go to that channel within your streaming platform and watch that. Um, the, one of the biggest challenges I find is that that requires the cooperation of so many different than TV networks. Um, ESPN, as one example, is, has been difficult to work with um, st- on streaming devices because on Sling and PlayStation, for example, uh, you can't pause live content, you can't rewind live content, and this is the ESPN. Uh, and, and Disney only, so you can only watch it live, and that's it. So if you want to go take a quick break, you got to let it keep running. So that that's kind of um, that's really holding back streaming uh, big time in, in my regard. Uh, that people want to be able to do that, but they're not able to do that because ESPN says you can't do that. And I'm and I'm sure they're just trying to say, okay, well, what can we put in there that's going to encourage people to watch it on TV instead. And then maybe, they'll, yeah, we'll make it available for streaming, but we won't really give them all the bells and whistles. Um, you could watch, your net, watch ESPN or ESPN3, but then it's another couple of steps to be able to get into that. Um, Fubo's, Fubo does a great job. To me, uh, PlayStation View comes the closest. Um, they have, I think, most of those channels we mentioned, if not all of those channels we mentioned, but then there's different uh, holdbacks with them. So, for example... If you want to watch NBC over the air or Fox over the air, uh, it's only available in select cities. Um, and the reason being for that too, whether it's on Sling or on um, PlayStation View, when it says select cities, those are the cities where Fox owns that uh, network, that affiliate uh, channel. So, for example, uh, Miami with uh, WSVN, um, that's a channel that. Um, like the big network may not may not own it's just an affiliate of theirs, so they can't control control that can't watch show that programming, but um, but that but that's a whole back to of both PlayStation View and Sling TVs that if you want to watch live NBC or Fox over the air, uh, it's only in select cities. Uh, the workaround is you can do kind of um, just a, a rabbit ears or an antenna, 
and uh, watch that through HD, but it requires a little bit of setup. Um, but I think all in all, I think where we are today is that um, I think the streaming providers and the networks need to do a better job of simplifying, simplifying this whole process of kind of working together rather than working separately. Um, hopefully the companies like Fubo or, or Sling or PlayStation View, et cetera, can kind of try to work out those kinks and get them better. But um, that's, that's the big challenge. Um, the other thing, like being Sports Connect, uh, I think we saw that this week with the Arsenal-Southampton game uh, or the Hull City against Newcastle game, is that for being Sports Connect, to get that working, it requires almost like a PhD in technology. It's like it doesn't work on Google Chrome. It only works on Safari and Firefox and um, Internet Explorer. And then once, even when you get in, it's like it requires a whole bunch of plugins. You need the Silverlight plugin. You need the Flash plugin. So to for the the average kind of mainstream person, they would have given up by that point. They say, "This is just too much work," and that's something that too. Hopefully, this uh, perfect streaming platform just makes it sim simplifies the whole process of being able to watch games because uh, we're willing to pay. We're willing to actually pay for these services, but uh, I think they need to be simpler and easier to use and give us all the channels we need. Um, and with that. Uh, and, and include all the bells and whistles without uh, including things such as like you can't rewind uh, or pause certain programming. Yeah, that's uh, the the DVR and uh, recording and pausing programming. I think is the is the greatest obstacle right now to this being terribly serviceable as something for someone who is a football fan who wants to watch all these different things but needs to cut the cord. Uh, from being terribly viable. And I, and I mentioned earlier, Fubo has the DVR, the kind of limited DVR where you can record three games uh, on certain devices and, and watch and get full playback. But that's still very much uh, a, a simpler way of, of um, it's just part of the way of where we need to get. Yeah, and we're getting closer. So, so two years ago, if we were having this conversation, we would be so far away from what we have today. So, so it, those improvements being made... Um, Back in the early days, there was, what, Satanta I, which had the Satanta programming, which was kind of a godsend at that time because that gave you access to so much Premier League coverage that you couldn't get before if your cable company didn't have Satanta, and most of them, especially Comcast, didn't. Um, then we had Fox Soccer TV, which was kind of a car crash in the beginning. It was just it would have so many issues uh, not working or streaming problems. It was, it was just a, a joke in the beginning. Uh, and that evolved into Fox Soccer To Go, which is much sturdier, much better than, than what it was, um, and still provides a ton, ton of content. But it is expensive. It's, you know, for most people, it's, it's 20 bucks a month. But um, we're getting there. We're getting there. I think um, slowly but surely, actually quickly, actually, if anything, with, especially with DirecTV now, Hulu's launching their service next year. Um, and then I think YouTube is going to do, uh, I think it's YouTube now or YouTube Live, which is going to have a whole bunch of streaming content too. So hopefully, it just takes time. Hopefully, these co companies see... I mean, everything is moving in this direction anyway. I mean, for me personally, Kartik, I don't know about you, but for most of the games I watch now are usually on my laptop. Um, usually on my laptop, really, because I'm working in my office, I have a laptop where I'm watching the game. Uh, but for the big games, I mean, if it's a Swansea game or if it's a you know, Man United Arsenal game or El Clasico. If I have a TV set, you mean nearby, I'll watch it on the TV. But um, but oftentimes lately I've been on on the go, yeah, at soccer tournaments or kids practices. So I've been using kind of my, my phone to watch a lot of the games too. So how about you? What's your what's your setup uh, looking like as far as like watching um, where you mo watch most of your matches? Well, I watch uh, most of my matches either on television or uh, via. Uh, just watching Fubo on my um, iPad or on my laptop or on the iPhone. Generally, the iPad is what I use the most for uh, for Fubo. And again, they have that DVR feature. And, and oftentimes, I have to say, even if I have the channel that's on Fubo, like a BN or Univision Deportes, I, I like watching it on Fubo because I can watch it on my on my iPad. I can be mobile at the, while I'm watching it and. Uh, I also can set the DVR. So I, I just really, 
have gotten hooked into the into the whole uh, the the features that Fubo offers. Uh, I think similarly, Sling and uh, PlayStation View and all of these other services give you similar probably give you a similar experience. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've got some big football matches to look forward to. We've got um, as of tonight, Thursday. There's the um, I think Club America is playing in uh, Liga MX semifinals in Apertura. Of course, you got El Clas- yep. Clasico this weekend. That'll drive uh, ratings. That that Club America game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially with the Clasico too on on Saturday. Um, and then you mentioned um, the Man City game this weekend. Uh, and, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other games I'm forgetting too, but uh, it's going to be a big weekend, so we're going to have plenty to talk about next week. Again, if you guys do have any questions or feedback or comments, uh, send them to us at web at so- worldsoccertalk.com or on Twitter at wsoccertalk or at facebook.com uh, slash worldsoccertalk. So, Kartik, I'll let you lead us out. Enjoy your football. <laughs>